Today we bring our conversation around race to grace consciousness to a close. Now for those of you that haven't been here before, that's what we've been talking about all month. And just in case there is someone new this morning who does not understand the term race consciousness, let me briefly explain. It has nothing to do with an individual's race, color, or ethnic origin, but rather it refers to the accumulated collective thoughts, feelings, beliefs, values, attitudes, words, and actions of the human race to which we are all subject. We're exploring varied examples of race consciousness that permeate our world, and without going into the specifics of the examples, we realize that the majority of it focuses on fear and lack and limitation and separation. Ever think about that? That encompasses so much of your fear. I don't have enough. I'm not going to be able to do it. I, I just can't go that far. I'm not with them. On a recent Sunday, I suggested that if you weren't sure this was true, simply <laughs> turn on... This is a terrible thing to make you do. Turn on the 6 o'clock news and watch for 15 minutes. You will see some form of fear or lack or limitation or separation in just about every story. And what we know is that we are unconsciously affected by these race consciousness ideas until we make a deliberate and conscious choice to bring a higher way of thinking, God thinking, if you will, to it. And when we bring God, represented by the the G, to race consciousness, we get, ah, you guys are good, grace consciousness. This entire month, we have focused on bringing God to race consciousness so that we might live in and from grace consciousness. And we've had a wonderful exploration this month. I wanted to talk also, when my wife and I were talking this morning, we were talking about what we could do for kids, for young people, to get them away from the constant violence in the streets and in the cars and in the freeways and every place else, and how we could start a movement of caring, one for another, each of us caring. Not too easy, is it? But the nice, easy part is it starts right here. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with our ability to laugh, to care, and to reach out. So today, we are ending our topic by somewhat going back to the beginning. What I mean by that is that we're going to look at and have an experience of the concept of grace. In fact, it is our intention this morning to be in the presence of grace. 
And here's a bit of a paradox. Even though all month we have been talking about grace consciousness, grace isn't really something we can talk about. How do you like them apples? Now, when I say it isn't something we can talk about, I don't mean we shouldn't talk about it. I mean we we really can't. We're not really able to. Because it is part of the awe and mystery of God. And as soon as we put words to it, we confine it. We restrict it. We limit it. As soon as we try to describe that which is infinite and ineffable, we make it finite and limited. Now, when I was doing this, I thought somebody else might want to know, what does the word ineffable mean? Gotcha. Undefinable. There's no way you can put a border around something that's ineffable. But we have done it this month because it is part of the awe and mystery of God. And as soon as we put words to it, we confine it, we restrict it, we limit it. Grace, God's grace, is something that cannot be defined or confined. It is something that cannot be restricted. It is something that is not limited, nor is it finite. Nonetheless, realizing that words are inadequate, I hope to bring us all to a greater heart understanding of the amazing concept behind this word grace and the power of grace to take us to a place that transcends the general consciousness of the human race and thereby having a hand in transforming the consciousness of the human race, what my wife and I were talking about. So let's begin by doing our best to define that which is indefinable. I always enjoy looking at the etymology of a word, the origin of a word. The word grace comes to us from an ancient root word meaning favor or benefit. Our dear friend Noah Webster put a definition to grace in his most famous book, The Dictionary. According to it, God's grace is divine love and protection bestowed freely on people. You gave grace this morning when you were here thinking of people with love. When you were thinking of forgiveness. When you were thinking of being together. 45th Psalm, verse 2 says, Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Did you catch that? Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. The Apostle Paul wrote, By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not our own doing. It is the gift of God. Not because of any works, lest any man should boast. Our friend Ernest Holmes in The Science of Mind on page 597 wrote, Grace is the givingness of spirit to its creation. Grace is the givingness of spirit to its creation. 
If we were to summarize just that handful of thoughts about grace, we could say that grace is God's divine love, freely given to all. God's eternal protection, freely given to all. God's ever-present blessings, freely given to all. God's complete givingness, freely bestowed upon all, and God's gift of absolute favor and benefit freely given to all. These are all the ways to define God's grace that are inadequate, although they may be. And you caught, I know, the ending phrase on every one of those descriptors, right? Freely given to all. Grace is a divine favor. Grace as the eternal loving kindness of God is working for and through us constantly. You do not have to earn grace. It is not something that is paid out only to the good or the deserving. Grace is not something to work for, to develop, to build up, to cultivate. It simply is. God's favor, givingness, love, blessings, and protection come to us simply because we are. Ernest Holmes in The Science of Mind on page 430 said, God loves all alike and causes the rain to fall and the sun to shine alike upon all. In arms which are all-inclusive, divine love encompasses everything. Divine love encompasses everything. Isn't that an amazingly beautiful statement? In the arms which are all-inclusive, divine love encompasses everything. We've probably all said or heard the statement at one time or another that there but for the grace of God go I. What's going on for us when we say that? Really, what's going on for us when we say that? Usually, (laughs) we're feeling quite relieved that we are not in a situation similar to the person to whom we are referring. Right? Right? There's a gigantic and a wiping of the brow. And there's also a gigantic error in that statement. And after our conversation so far this morning, do you see this gigantic error? Mm -hmm. That statement implies that somehow God's grace has been bestowed upon you, but it misses that person. When God was handing out grace, that person was at the refreshment stand. That is incorrect thinking. If we believe, which I do, that God's love and protection are bestowed freely on all people. Yet, we must receive it. We must accept it. We must open our hearts, our minds, our very lives for God's grace to have its way with us. 
In the revealing word from the Charles Fillmore Reference Library, grace, it says on page 88, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That is, the real, saving, redeeming, transforming power came to man through the work that Jesus did in establishing for the race a new and higher consciousness in the earth. Think about that one for a while. When you go home, take that Bible, you know, the one with dust on the bookshelf, open to John 1.17, and you can read that. So think for a moment, and I want you sometimes, if it feels good, close your eyes for this. Think a moment for a moment that you're climbing a mountain. The summit is an experience of the presence of God, and this is your goal, to reach this summit. Through human effort, you climb to a high meadow. It's a beautiful place. And you think you have arrived at your goal. But eventually, you realize this is not the summit. The peak is shrouded in mist. You cannot even see the trailhead which leads to the experience you desire. At the high meadow, you must wait. No amount of human effort will take you higher. You must wait. However, in the distance and through the mist, you see a woman coming toward you. And you know that she is coming to lead you higher. Her name is Grace. With grace you are taken into the mist, into the mystery that is the presence, and ultimately into grace consciousness, which is your awakening into oneness. In this analogy, we climb to the high meadow through the use of our spiritual practices, our prayers, our affirmations, our denials, our visioning, our meditation, and so on. These practices lift us up out of race consciousness, and they are very, very important. During our climb to the high meadow, our spiritual practice is like a wind taking us to higher states of consciousness. And they make us receptive to God's grace. But practice alone will not reveal total oneness with spirit. We must wait for grace to come and take us higher. That's not something you thought you'd hear about this morning, is it? But we can never do enough to live in the presence of grace. Truly waking up to grace consciousness is not a result of working on ourselves, but a recognition of ourselves. In his wonderful book, The Art of Meditation, Joel Goldsmith wrote, But the basis of our work is to leave your nets, to leave this search for more, and to open consciousness to the spiritual realities. 
Grace can only be attained by a state of inner silence, a state of inner awareness and receptivity. I was thinking about this sermon this morning, and I was remembering at one time I had spent a lot of time around the Vedanta Society and the Vedanta way of being and the wonderful, wonderful books of Swami Prabhavananda. And one of the disciples of the Swami was telling me one day that they were in the center in Hollywood and he was reading the Bhagavad Gita and this woman was in there and she said, Swami, to belong to reincarnation, pardon me, to belong to Vedanta, do I have to believe in reincarnation? The Swami said, no, it is not required that you believe. She said, well, that's good. I was very confused there for a while because if I had to believe in reincarnation, I could not belong to Vedanta. I think that is one of the oldest, most backward, primitive beliefs there could be. And if I had to believe in reincarnation, I couldn't be here because once you die, you're dead and that's it. The Swami said, all right. But you're in for a wonderful surprise when you die. I've always loved that saying because that's it. Grace can only be attained by a state of inner silence, a state of inner awareness and receptivity, listening to the silence of God. I will add a state of inner awareness and receptivity to the recognition of ourselves as the presence of grace. You are part of that grace. You are part of that magnificent music. And when we have that recognition, then the energy of grace will come over us like a a soft blanket when we need comfort, filling us with the feeling that regardless of what roadblocks surround us, whatever race consciousness says about a situation, All will be removed when the time is right. Grace is an unreasonable force. It pays no mind to what we consider difficulties. It has the power to lift us beyond our abilities and to draw support into our lives just when we need it. When such moments occur, ask yourself, as you give thanks for what you are receiving. Remember that part? Whether the power behind the coming together of the right people and the right circumstances at the right time isn't the presence of grace. (laughs) In all likelihood, my friends, it is. So let us take a moment right now to live in the presence of grace Think back to the high meadow analogy we practiced just a few moments ago with grace coming through the mist to take you to a higher state of consciousness. Feel the the excitement you get seeing that beautiful spirit coming to you, taking you, lifting you up. A smile that goes through your soul smile that says, yes, 
I am forgiven and I forgive. I am alive and blessed and I am moving in peace and grace. And I say thank you, God. Thank you, dear spirit. Thank you, beloved grace. Love me now and always as I too love you and the God of this world. And so it is. Amen. Thank you.